Amen. <laughs> All right, thank you. Good morning, church. He is alive. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 28. So on Friday, they watched as Jesus was taken down off a cruel Roman cross. He was sure enough dead. They stuck a spear in his side and blood and water came out indicating that he was in fact dead. There were a few women at the foot of the cross, John the disciple, a man named Joseph of Arimathea who was a Pharisee also went to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. Dark was coming and Sabbath day was coming and they wanted to hurriedly get Jesus in a tomb. It was Joseph's own tomb that he had had carved out in the side of the hill. So they quickly put the body of Jesus, wrapped him in a linen shroud and hurriedly buried Jesus. There were some women there watching, thinking that Come Sunday morning, we'll go and do this right. So sure enough, these women walked away from that tomb thinking that it was over, that Jesus was finished, it was done, and yet they loved Him. And so that next Sunday morning, after that Friday night, they came to the tomb. They came out of respect, they came out of reverence, they came out of love. But when they got there, something that has changed the world happened. We pick it up in Matthew's Gospel in verse 1 of chapter 28. After the Sabbath, at the end of that Saturday night, as the dawn, as the first day of the week was dawning, it says, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to view the tomb. Suddenly there was a violent earthquake because an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and approached the tomb. He rolled back the stone and was sitting on it. His appearance was like lightning. His robe was as white as snow. The guards were shaken for fear of him and they became like dead men. But the angel told the women, do not be afraid. Because I know you're looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he has been resurrected just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples he has been raised from the dead. In fact, he is going ahead of you to Galilee, and you will see him there. Listen, I've told you. So departing quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy, they ran to tell his disciples the news. Just then, Jesus met them and said, Good morning. And he came up, they, they came up and took hold of his feet and worshipped him. Then Jesus told them, do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to leave for Galilee, and there they will see me. These women came and <clears throat> expecting to find a dead Jesus. I'm telling you, the world can handle a dead Jesus. Jesus is respected and revered by nearly every world religion. What the world has trouble with is a living Christ. 
is someone, someone who has died and come back from the dead. Someone that did what Jesus did, performed miracles, taught a whole different way of understanding God, brought a whole different way of worshiping to the people. These women came not expecting anything other than to do something. They had not thought about the stone. They'd seen that stone rolled in front of that tomb. Some of us have been to Israel and seen those tombs and the, 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 the stones, there's a track about eight inches wide, six, eight inches wide, and the stones are about three foot tall. And they roll them in front of those caves to keep the varmints out, basically. The Romans uh, were the ones that were executing part of this, and the Pharisees went to, the, the, and scribes went to the Roman officials and said, Jesus, said, this, this Jesus, they call him, this Jesus, has said that he's going to die, but the third day he's going to rise again. So we ask you to, to guard the tomb and seal it. So they put some guards outside the tomb, and they actually put the Roman seal on it, thinking somehow that they could keep Jesus in the tomb. So you can imagine these women coming that first Easter Sunday morning, carrying spices right at daylight. They had no idea what they were going to do about the stone. All they knew is they wanted to be close to Jesus. So they got there and something miraculous, world-changing had happened. There was an angel there, an earthquake occurred. An angel rolled the stone away, not to let Jesus out. He was already gone. It was to let these women in so they could see. The angel said those great words, do not be afraid. Over and over again, we're told, because of the resurrection, because of Jesus, because of what Christ has done for us, because God has become flesh, do not be afraid. I know what you're looking for. He said, you're looking for a dead Jesus. But he has resurrected. He has come alive, just as he said. And then he gave them the instructions that really catapulted the early church and even the church today. Come and see. It's the great invitation to come and see Jesus. That's what Easter is about. People come, more people come to church on Easter than any other time of the year. And they, they, come, they come to see. They come to remind themselves that because Jesus is alive, we have hope. So people come. And it's, it's fitting, it's right that they come. Thank you for being here today. Thank you for those that are watching online today. The great invitation of the New Testament, the great invitation of Jesus is to come and see the risen Christ, that the tomb is in fact empty. And then he says, go quickly and tell. It's the mission of the church. It's what Eastwood Baptist Church is about. It's what every New Testament church is to be doing. We're to come and see for ourselves And then we're to go quickly and tell. I used to think that grandparents were crazy. Um, I've seen people, I've met people in Walmart that would, I I remember a a lady one time, I was standing in line and, and she looked at this tabloid that had a picture of a kid on the front of it. And she said, that looks just like my grandson. I don't know her from anybody. She's telling me about her grandson, three years old, doing long division. (laughs) Smartest, brightest child ever walks the face of the earth. 
And I thought grandparents were nuts until I became one. And now I know they are. You know, you lose your mind. You begin to talk like a, like a, like a baby. Goo, goo, gaga, blah, you know. I mean, it's amazing. Uh, I didn't know that till I became a grandparent. And those of you that aren't grandparents, you still think we're crazy because we are. And, and I, I remember asking a lady one time, uh, uh, I was talking about her grandchild and she, about grandchildren. She opened her Bible and she had, a, she had a five by eight picture of her grandchild in the front of her Bible. And so after it was over with, she came up and showed me. And I said, I said tell me about your, your granddaughter. And, and Ed, you could testify. Ed's, Ed's crazy. He's like the rest of us. He's lost his mind. He's, and, and, and I said, well, what is it about your granddaughter that, that what makes you, what's, what is it? What's this, why is it you, you, you've lost your mind? She said, because I'm in love with her. You see, these women were to come and see, and they were go and tell because they were in love with Jesus. Sad the sad part of many of us is that we'll go to our grave and haven't told another living person about Jesus. We'll talk to them about everything else. We like talking about the pandemic, don't we? I'm getting my second shot tomorrow. And uh, I've been told that I'm going to be down for a couple of days. Well, I'll, t- I'll be glad to tell you about that. You know, you know get the shot. Feel like got the flu. When you come and see, you've got to be willing to go and tell. I'm convinced that the reason we don't go and tell is that so many of us have not come and seen Jesus. We know about Him. Oh, we believe the right stuff. And if you didn't believe the right stuff, you wouldn't be here today. You wouldn't be listening online or watching online. You, you know, and... and, and you know, sometimes people are engaged in Bible study, They're, they come and worship, they serve, but, they, but something's missing. And what's missing is they just haven't met the risen Christ. There's an interesting story in Luke chapter 24. It's a whole different perspective on the resurrection. Now, the, the classic one is Matthew 28, where these women came and saw, they went and told. And Jesus said, to go tell the disciples, I'm going ahead of them. Well, listen. He's always ahead of us. Let me tell you the good news of the resurrection. Wherever you're going, Jesus is already there. He's already there. He's been waiting on some of you for this day. He's already there. He's He's going ahead of you. He said, go tell my disciples, I'm going ahead of you into Galilee. Here's what you need to know about getting a pastor. Jesus is already ahead of you. Now, you've got people like Mark and Christy that was on the screen and Don Bratcher and other folks uh, that they are on that team. But here's, here's the, 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 here is the, the comfort you need to have. If Jesus is already ahead of you. You believe that? It's true whether you believe it or not, but it's nice if you believe that. He's ahead of you. And, and the thing is, we, we've got to acknowledge Him. We, we need to ask God this Easter Sunday to open our minds and our eyes and our hearts to the truth that He is with us, He is for us, and He's going ahead of us. In Luke chapter 24, Luke's the only one that gives us this story about these two disciples. We don't know who they were. We know one of them's name was Cleopas. 
they were probably from Emmaus. They were going to a village called Emmaus. They were leaving Jerusalem having witnessed the crucifixion. Horrible. They knew Jesus was dead. And then it came to be Easter Sunday morning, and there, was a, uh, th- th- there were people that came and told them that they'd seen the risen Christ, that Jesus was alive, the tomb was empty, and yet these two disciples didn't believe it. What they had hoped was, it says, the, the, the Scripture says, we had hoped, and let, let's pick up the story uh, in verse uh, 13 of Luke chapter 24. It says, now, that same day, that was Easter Sunday, that same day, two of them were on their way to a village called Emmaus, which is about seven miles from Jerusalem. Together they were discussing everything that had taken place. So they were talking about this. They were walking away from Jerusalem and everything they had believed in had been crucified on a cross. And then the good news, here's the good news of the resurrection. Listen to this. Then it says, and while they were discussing and arguing, Jesus himself came near and began to walk with them. You see, that's the truth of the of the resurrection. If Jesus hadn't died and been raised, he would just like us, he would have been confined to one place at one time. I've never figured out how to be two places at one time. Now, I've, I, my mind's been in two places at one time, sometimes three places, but my body's never been there. Because Jesus died and came forth alive, he is everywhere at the same time. He's in, the, he's in Russia just like he is here today. He's all over the world. And he sent his Holy Spirit to be with us, to live in us. And Jesus, the graciousness of God, is that he joined the journey of these two questioning disciples. And that's true with us. you got questions, it's okay. It's okay to have questions. I've still got questions. And I've been faithfully following Jesus for for 44 years, almost 45 years. I've still got questions, but Jesus joins us in our journey. He joins them. Listen to what he said. But they were prevented from recognizing him. What prevented them? It was their unbelief. It wasn't, it wasn't God's, uh, what God's doing. They just didn't believe it. They were talking about it, but they didn't believe that someone could die and live again. And so Jesus joined their journey. And he asked them, what, what is this dispute you're having with each of you as you're walking? And, and they stopped walking and looked discouraged. And then the one named Cleopas said, are you the only visitor in Jerusalem who doesn't know the things that happened here in these days? What things, Jesus asked them. The things concerning Jesus the Nazarene, who was a prophet, powerful in action and speech before God and all the people, and how the chief priests and leaders handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. Now, here's the interesting thing. They didn't know that the one they were talking about was the one they were talking to. They were talking to Jesus. And then, listen to this. You can hear their broken spirit. But we were hoping, they said. Verse 21, but we were hoping that he was the one who was about to redeem Israel. Because beside all this, it's the third day since these things happened. Moreover, some women from our group astounded us. They arrived early at the tomb, and when they didn't find his body, they came and reported that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. 
Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, and they didn't see him. So they'd been given the report, and yet they did not believe. What about you? Many of you have been in church for years. Come off and on, maybe you come regularly. You've heard of the resurrection all your life. I remember as a little boy, I knew something was special about Easter. My mother would dress me up, put a bow tie on me. I uh, got a new shirt. I got usually a, a new, new little suit and had uh, 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 new shoes. And it didn't take long for me to get mud and dirt and chocolate candy and all that, all of them. But I knew something was special about Easter. I knew there was something special. I didn't really know what that was until I was 11. And when I really came to believe and trust Jesus Christ as my Savior. I did that as an 11-year-old boy. I knew something was special. And some of you knew something, know something special. They heard the testimony. And yet they still did not understand. They weren't yet willing to commit their lives. And then Jesus said to them, How unwise and slow you are to believe in your hearts all that the prophets have spoken. Didn't the Messiah have to suffer these things and enter into his glory. In other words, don't you understand that the prophets have been foretelling this long before I ever set foot on this earth? Don't you know I came to fulfill the prophecy that I am the Messiah, the promised one who came to take away the sins of the world? Then it says, then beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted for them the things concerning himself in all the scriptures. You see, the truth is that all of the Bible points to Jesus. From Genesis to Revelation. Every book of the Bible points toward it. It's called the grand narrative of Scripture. The gospel is, is even in the early stages of, of, of the Bible in, in Genesis. And Jesus opened the Word to them. They, they didn't have a Bible. He is the Bible. He is the Word. And He began to tell them about Himself. How he was revealed to them. How he has been revealed to them in scripture. And, and, and so they came near. They said they came near a village where they were going. And he was going on further. And they, they said, stay with us. Well, that's our hope, isn't it? That God will stay with us. That he'll not leave us alone. There are times when you and I feel like we're alone. That no one understands. We go through situations. This has been a tough year. As Ed said, some of you were here last year in, in the parking lot. There were people that could only watch online all this last year. Some of you had loved ones to die from the pandemic. Some of you have been frightened over getting the virus. And some of you have gotten vaccinated and you're back in church. But it's been a crazy year. We all have been impacted in some way. Here Jesus, they didn't know it was Jesus yet. They knew it was someone special. And he was getting ready to leave them. And they said, won't you stay with us? And so he did. So they, got, they gathered around the table, probably got home, got to their home there in Emmaus. They gathered around the table. And it says, as he reclined at the table with them at their, in their home, he took the bread and blessed it and broke it and gave it to them, and their eyes were opened, and they recognized him. You see, finally they saw it. Finally they got it. 
In Easter Sunday, the good news of the resurrection is God wants to come into your heart and your home. It isn't enough just to believe facts about Jesus. There's a lot of facts out there that, that some of us believe, some of us don't believe. But there's a lot of information out there. Easter is about you making this personal. The angel said to the women, come and see. God's in the business of saving individuals. Not nations and not families and not, not cities. He's in the business of saving people. We're told in John's Gospel that, that Mary, uh, Mary Magdalene came and, and uh, uh, she, she came and, and, and saw the tomb was empty and yet she still didn't understand. And, and Jesus came to her and spoke to her and said to her, Mary spoke her name. See, Christianity is about knowing a person and his name is Jesus. Now, it's important to have theology. That's why I went to seminary for seven years, to, to get trained in, in theology. But that's not what changed my life. It was coming to know Jesus. Some of the meanest people I've ever known could quote Scripture to you backwards and forwards. They knew, they actually read Leviticus. They're really weird, you know. Anybody that reads and likes Leviticus is weird. But, I mean, I've known people like that that are just, but they're mean-spirited. They have no mercy. They have no compassion. They'll quote to you the Bible. They'll use it like a, literally a, a club to beat you up with. But they don't really know Jesus. You see, these disciples were walking away from Jerusalem. Was, they'd seen something horrific. And then they'd heard some incredible good news that what Jesus had said was going to happen, happened. That he was, in fact, had been resurrected. But the problem was they had not met Jesus for themselves. We've got to meet him for ourselves. You see, you can be raised in a Christian home, and the, the, the likelihood of you becoming a believer goes up if you're raised in a family that believes. That's High, much higher percentage. But it's not, it, it, it's not guaranteed. You see, here's what you need to get. God doesn't have grandchildren. He only has children. Every believer is first generation. There's no second generation believers. Every one of us has to believe for ourselves. So the question on Easter Sunday that always needs to be asked is, have you come to believe? Now, these disciples had questions. It's okay to have questions. It's, what, what had happened was outside of their realm of understanding. And so they began to, instead of talking a, 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 about Jesus, they began to talk to Jesus. And they didn't understand it was Jesus, but they began to recount to him what had happened. Are you the only one? In Jerusalem hasn't heard about what happened. And he said, what thing? So they began to tell their story. It's okay for you to tell God your story. It's okay for you to pour out your hurts and your heartaches and your setbacks. And your, to bring him your questions. It's okay. God's big enough to handle any question that you got. But the bottom line is, you, you've got, you, you, the, in order to, to, have, to have your life changed, in order to live with hope, You've got to come and, and not, not just believe, but you've got to ask Him to come into your heart and your life 
You've got to take him home with you. And when you do that, the resurrection changes everything. These disciples' eyes were opened through the breaking of the bread. It was his hands. These were hands that had healed people. These were hands that had, had, had invited people to come. These were hands that had called disciples, you follow me like he did to, uh, uh, to Peter and Andrew and James and John. You and you and you, follow me. These were those hands. These, these two disciples were part of the entourage that had been following Jesus. And they'd, but this day the hands were different. This day the hands had nail prints in them. And they recognized him. The breaking of the bread. And it says that he left them. He disappeared from them. Uh, And so they said to each other, Won't our hearts burning within us while he was talking to us on the road and explaining the scriptures to us? That very hour they got up and returned to Jerusalem. They found the eleven and those who were gathered together and And who said, the Lord has certainly been raised and has appeared to Simon. That was the testimony of the eleven. And then they, these two disciples, they began to describe what had happened to them on the road. And how he was made known to them in the breaking of the bread. In 1995, I took a group to Russia. Nine of us went to a place called Dubna. Dubna, D-U-B-N-A, Dubna, Russia. It's north of Moscow, about 70 miles. It's a secret city. They have an accelerometer there. It was a, it was a research city that wasn't even on the maps uh, back in the Cold War uh, because of the, experimental, the experiments going on with an accelerometer that has to do with nuclear power and all of that. But anyway, we were going because we had a young lady in the church that was, was, had gone there as a as a part-time missionary with, uh, with IMB, she'd gone there for two years to teach English as a second language. So her mom and dad and others of us went over there. Well, I'd grown up, I, I grew up in the, in the days when we were afraid of the Russians. I remember having drills, getting under the, under the desk, as if getting under a desk was going to somehow uh, uh, protect us from a nuclear bomb. Uh, but I grew up with that fear. And when you said Russia, it was like, oh my, these people are awful. Well, here I go to Russia. And what I find there is a pastor, pastoring a little church there in Dubna. And when I get there, they take our passport, which was frightening in and of itself. But the, the mayor of the city, after we were there a couple of days, asked us if we would go into the schools and teach the Bible. And he said, more than that, would you go into the schools and tell them about Jesus? This is in Russia. I couldn't believe it. One night I'm sitting around a table with this, with this pastor. We're breaking bread together. And I just start crying. And he said, well, he said, well Pastor Dan, what's going on? I said, man, for years I've been so afraid of you all. I thought you were pagans. And here I am sitting around your table breaking bread. And the reason is because of Jesus. Had nothing to do with politics. I'm telling you, the world wants to divide us. 
They want us to think that, that there's not anybody to fellowship with us, that there aren't a lot of believers. And I'm telling you, that's just a lie. You see, what these disciples found was that Jesus revealed himself in the breaking of the bread. And when they got back to Jerusalem, those disciples gave witness to what these disciples had experienced. You see, there's more of us than we think. And that's the reason we got to stick together. Do you understand that we need each other? We need fellowship. Haven't we missed being in-person worship? Haven't we missed that? I mean, it's, there's not, it, 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 we, we're glad people are online. But I've had some of you come to me and said, I've had my shot. You know, we're going we're gonna to remember that. I've got, remember the smallpox? I've got the scar. We're going to, I don't have a scar for the vaccine of COVID, but we're going to remember. And they're saying, oh, it's so sweet to be here. I mean, just to sing the songs today, wasn't that awesome? To feel the presence of the living Christ? That comes through fellowship. And when these disciples, these, these, these Emmaus disciples, when they came to Jerusalem, what they found was that what they had experienced was also had been experienced by others, and that's true of us. We've got to believe. Not only believe, but we need to come together as believers. And we need to encourage each other. Some of you are going through difficult times. And I want you to know you're not alone. There's people here at this church that will love you, that will pray for you, that will encourage you. The place where that happens, honestly, is in Bible study. I know we've been hampered in doing that, but, you know, in worship, you don't get to ask questions. Wouldn't it be weird if you just said, Brother Dan, I understand that. I mean, we never get done, right? I mean, you just keep raising your hand. I don't get that. You know, could you explainify that or whatever? But in Bible study, when we come to open the Word of God, it's like what Jesus did to these two disciples. He began to explain to them the Scriptures, and it was through that that their eyes were opened, their hearts were opened, and they came to know Jesus. And I'm telling you, once you come to know Jesus, He changes everything. I grew up in a troubled church. Uh, I went to, uh, I was back in Burnside a couple weeks ago, went to see my mother and, and went down to Burnside, the cemetery where my dad's buried and a lot of my family's buried. And, and it overlooks First Baptist Burnside, the cemetery does. And I was there with my cousin and I just got to reminiscing about growing up in that church. And uh, church to me was no fun. Uh, I've still got a scar on my right leg. I had to sit by my mother. And if I misbehave, my mother could pinch a hunk out of you. And I've still got a scar on either side. I'd move. She was better at doing it left-handed for some reason. Um, but, you know, church was no fun to me. It was for adults. The preacher was mad about everything. You know, he, he was just, he stomped and hollered and, and you know, spit on you. And I, I just never really got it. The only fun was Bible school. Bible school was fun. You know, they, they, the, the preacher took his clip-off tie off. No kidding. He still wore black polyester pants and a white shirt, but he took his clip-off tie, and I thought, well, it must be going to be more fun. You could wear shorts. They fed you. We sang music, Dana, that you could move to. They didn't call it dancing, but it was fun. And we had crafts and but the rest of the time, the church was no fun. It was absolutely no fun whatsoever. And so when I began to feel called into ministry when I was about 12, I just kept saying to 
to myself. I don't want to do that. I don't like church. I don't like preachers. I don't like what's going on. So I kept saying no to God. And then one day, when I was 24, I hit rock bottom. What I met, what happened was, I met the risen Christ. And he spoke to me. And he changed my life. I've had that happen in other people's lives over the years. Charlie and I were in Henderson over 16 years. And, you know, when you're in a growing church and you're making a lot of changes and you're seeing a lot of people come to Christ, you're going to get hit with people not liking it. This one was a shock to me. This lady that got so mad at me, I had actually led her to Christ. I, a guy and I had gone to, uh, my deacons and I had gone to their house and led her to Christ and her husband to Christ, baptized them, and then eventually baptized their whole family. And, you know, you'd have thought that I had some credibility with her. But somewhere along the way, she got crossways with me. Some of the changes we were making, and I don't really know. I really never know. I don't even know today exactly why she got to where she was bad-mouthing me, but boy, she was. Not only to my face, but to anybody that would listen. Well, one day, she had to go in the hospital for gallbladder surgery. Well, I went to visit her the day before. She didn't want me there. She didn't tell me to get out of the room, but she wasn't happy I was there to pray with her. Her husband was, but not her. And so I prayed with her, and she had surgery the next morning, and that afternoon, her husband called me and said, Brother Dan, could you come to the hospital? And I said, what's going on? She said, my wife wants to talk to you. And I said, did she come through surgery? Oh, yeah, but she's got, a, she got something she wants to say to you. And I said, okay. I went to the hospital there in Henderson and, and uh, walked in the room. And as soon as I walked in the room, she starts crying. And I said, well, what, what's going on? She said, well, you know, I had gallbladder surgery this morning. And I said, yeah, I, I knew that. And she said, well, in... While I was under anesthetic, I died. She was dead for three minutes. And I said, so what happened? And then she started bawling. She said, I saw Jesus. And he told me that he wasn't done with me yet. And he said, "Here's I got three things. I'm going to send you back, but here's three things you're to do. First of all, you're to apologize to Brother Dan for all the bad stuff you've said about him. Secondly, you're to quit talking bad about your church. And thirdly, you need to start serving as you once did. And she said, Brother Dan, I just want to ask you to forgive me for all the bad stuff. And I said, no problem. See, what changed that woman's heart wasn't me. I'd apologized to her. I, I didn't ever know what, what I'd done to apologize. I just told her one time, even when I went to pray with her, I said, I said look, it, whatever I've done, I just want you to know I, I, I apologize, whatever it is. And I don't want to talk about that, you know. And God changed her heart. I'm telling you, I've seen that happen in a lot of people's lives. When you meet Jesus, He changes everything. Most of the time when I find that people are angry and hateful and bitter, it's because of something in them. When you meet Jesus, He changes everything. What do you need to have changed today? Maybe you need to have your attitude changed. Maybe you need to have your outlook changed. Maybe you need to forgive somebody. Maybe you need to let some things go today. And begin to journey as these two disciples did. See, their lives were forever changed. They had questions. 
You know, they should have gone and, you know, if they were really serious about knowing the truth of the resurrection, they should have gone to the empty tomb themselves, but they didn't. They didn't go. They just had all these questions. They were doubting in their minds. But when they met Jesus, He changed everything. The resurrection changes everything. It's good news. Winston Churchill planned his own funeral. And my understanding is that he was a believer, even though he's pretty crusty and, and, uh, about some things. But he, 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 he planned who would come, where they would sit. He told the, uh, the, the, the preacher, whoever it was, what they were to say, wrote it out, you know. <laughs> and then he had some specific instructions. And at from one side of a St. Paul's Cathedral at a certain time in the service, he wanted this played. That's a sad song, isn't it? Taps. I've stood by many a graveside of a veteran and had heard uh, someone play that. Uh, but Winston Churchill wanted people to know that taps was not God's final word, that death was not God's final word. And from the other side of St. Paul's Cathedral, he wanted this played. So Easter Sunday mornings, get up, right? <laughs> get up! <laughs> it's not taps. Some of you are living on the wrong side of the resurrection. You're living on the tap side. You, you're, you, you're, you're still living on the, on the dead side, on the darkness side. But, but Easter Sunday, oh, is a, it, it's the alive side. Jesus, in fact, is alive. We want you to know today that He's alive. And He wants to live in you. He wants you to know Him. He wants you to know He's going ahead of you, that He's with you, that He's for you, that He's on your side. I read a story a few years ago, a true story, about a guy from Big Spring, Texas. His name is Frank G. Clements. And during the Second World War, he, he, wanted to, he, he volunteered to get in the, he went in the Air Force, and he wanted to be a bomber pilot. Well, ended up he wasn't qualified, but they made him a bombardier. And so he went to the European theater and was, was stationed out of England, and they were flying mission sorties from uh, England over into France. And, and one day, his plane got shot down. And uh, it was reported to his family in Big Spring, Texas, that their only son, Frank G. Clements, was dead, had died in action. And they had a memorial service. They, they didn't have the body, and so they... In the Methodist Church there in Big Spring, Texas, his, his parents, their, their only child, they had this memorial service about him. But the rest of the story is that Frank G. Clements from Big Springs, Texas, had been shot down over the English Channel, but had survived. 
There was another Frank G. Clemens from Brooklyn, New York, that had also been shot down, and he had died, and the, and the army had notified the wrong family. And so uh, Frank G. Clemens from Big Springs, Texas, he recovered from his wounds, and they were going to send him home. Well, did he call his mama and say, I'm coming home? No, no, he wanted to surprise her, you know. <laughs> so they thought he was dead. He got on a plane in London and flew to New York and got on a plane in New York and flew to Dallas and got on a bus. His parents think he's dead. He gets off the bus in Big Spring, Texas with his duffel bag. You can just see him walking down the lane to his parents' house. His dad had this workshop out back where he worked on small appliances. And his dad had his back to him and he dropped his duffel bag and he walks in the door of this little, of this little workshop and he says, Dad, and his dad looks around, you know. Dad, he said, and his dad turns around and sees him, doesn't even hug him. He runs right by him, running up to the house, Mama, Mama, he's alive, he's alive. The next day, the headlines in the Big Spring, Texas paper was Frank G. Clements returns alive. I'm telling you, these women who they left the tomb that morning when these two disciples, these Emmaus disciples met Jesus, they left, went out of the world going, He's alive! He's alive! He's alive! I want you to live here today knowing that Jesus Christ is alive. And He wants to live in you. He wants to change your life if you're willing to let Him. That's the story of Easter. God bless you as we stand to our feet and pray together. Lord, thank you for this great song, Because He Lives. I can face tomorrow. Because he lives, Lord, I have hope. And Lord, we pray for anyone here today or listening online, watching online. Lord, we pray that if they've never come to commit their hearts and lives, invite Jesus into their home, into their hearts. They'll do it today. Thank you, Lord. Let us leave here in the power and the good news that Jesus is alive. In his name we pray. All God's people said.